Warning. The Intercontinental Committee on Podcasting warns that listening to the Get the Fluff Out podcast may induce euphoric feelings of nostalgia, which may lead to complete and total ratitude. The show starts in three, two, one, go. Get the fluff out, 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 out. Welcome to Get the Fluff Out. I'm Hollywood, along with your co-host, Dirty Jim. And thanks for joining us on our rockin' journey through the decades in our quest for the musical holy grail, creating the ultimate Gen X rockin' mixtape playlist. On each episode, we'll choose which songs from an album review that will make the cut to appear on the playlist. It's time to experience the soundtrack of our lives. Once again, welcome to all our fans in 108 countries and territories around the world. Thank you for joining us on the Get the Fluff Out podcast because this is the show where Dirty Jim and I listen to all the songs. So you don't have to, so you don't have to. Dude, Dude, this is the Judas Priest episode and that's how you say so you don't have to. Oh, well, we're going to be talking about panic attack, panic attack. <laughs> so you don't have to, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, as you know, obviously you clicked on the episode. You know we're going to be talking about Judas Priest. So strap in. It could be a long episode because we get pretty uh, verbose. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you're if you're not listening to the Get the Fluff Out podcast on Spotify, why aren't you? Come on. That's where... All the music that we talk about is actually integrated into the episode. So if you have the free basic Spotify, you're going to hear at least the 30-second clips of the songs that we review. And if you have the paid premium Spotify, you can actually hear the entire song from beginning to end if you like. Or just, you know, the first verse up to the chorus, up to, you know, the guitar solo. Or you can just skip it all together and go right back to the talk portion. That's the benefit of having the premium uh, Spotify. Uh, But either way, Dirty Jim and I, we like listening to that way because we can listen to the entire album along with our review at the same time. So it's kind of a neat way to listen to the album with, you know, uh, two dumb idiots, you know, from our generation that that talk about this stuff. Sometimes when I'm listening to the episode that way, I hear things that I feel like I never heard before. You know, like (laughs) I'll get these little... these little bits of information that I have brought to the masses. And sometimes I feel like I'm hearing them for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even remember saying it. You're like, wow, that was a good bit of, oh, I, that was me? <laughs> well, sometimes when I am listening, I'm like, I don't remember saying this at all. Not as far as the tidbits, because I have a lot of those written down in at least, you know, short form. Uh, right, right. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, wow, I don't remember saying that at all. But anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, yeah, especially when we're just ad libbing. Yeah, exactly. And some, but, you know, sometimes I'm like, "Oh man, I can't believe I said that." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
uh, we have a lot of uh, good engagement and people uh, talking about the different episodes and stuff on the Get the Fluff Out uh, group podcast page on Spotify, uh, on Spotify, <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so go to Facebook and just type into the search field, Get the Fluff Out podcast. You can see our group page there. Join the group page. Uh, we have a lot of people who talk about the different albums, different episodes. So go ahead. It's really cool. And uh, so we have different people talking about stuff there. And we also get emails. So Dirty Jim, we got another email from a faithful listener. Oh, which one this time? This time, uh, we have an email from Jay Williams, a.k.a. Rockarola on X, formerly known as Twitter. So if you uh, go to Twitter or go to X, you do a search for Rockarola. That's uh, that's our guy there, Jay Williams, and he's a he's a huge priest fanatic himself. I mean, obviously his his handle on on X is Rockarola. So, <laughs> Rockarola Jay, he's a Rockarola man. <laughs> he will send you an email anytime he can. There you go. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> okay, so his email says this, and it was it was in ref, uh, reference to the last couple episodes that we uh, that we did release. And he says, Groovy website. I enjoyed the recent episodes greatly. So he's talking about the ones that we did, which was the Wallflowers, Bringing Down the Horse, and the Rock and Rabbit Hole, Lipstick and Leather Edition, which we talked about, uh, played songs from Metallica, Ozzy, Heaven and Hell, Anthrax, Sabotage, Priest, and others. So that's what he's talking about. And then he goes on to say in his email, I was born in the 60s, and I think Nostradamus kicks ass oh no <laughs> hold on hold on to your comments dirty jim he says i am super excited about the upcoming stained class episode stained class in my opinion is the fierce first pure metal record it is the tree trunk that all branches of metal grow out of cheers end quote well, he may be speaking as just a Judas Priest fan because, I mean, it is it is a great album. I think it is the first great Judas Priest album, definitely. Right. But what you, you didn't address the, the first portion. <laughs> Which, oh, you know what, let's, it, it's, addressing the album Nostradamus is like me picking a top 10 from, who's that guy from Canada? David Wilcox. Yeah, it's like me picking a top 10 from David Wilcox and being serious about it. <laughs> no offense, Jay. You know, I know you're um, a rock and roll man, but anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nostradamus and Wilcox, they go hand in hand. That's right, it sticks! Oh, boy. <laughs> so thank you, Jay, for taking the time out to send us an email. You guys could do the same thing by just uh, typing up an email to getthefluffoutpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we will go ahead and respond back to you and uh, perhaps uh, bring it up on the show as well. Thank you, Jay. So Dirty Jim, today on the GTFO Gen X Rock Podcast, we will be reviewing the landmark 1978 album Stained Class by Judas Priest. Now, Hollywood, before we get into that, we need to talk about something that just recently happened in the Judas Priest world. Yes, please bring it up. 
the new song. The new song was released. I want to talk about that first. I want to get it out there because I know we have our friend Hubi Hotataka. He he commented <laughs> on it. And there was another guy that we'll talk about this when we get to it, but let's talk about the song first. Okay. So, well, actually, let's do this because, uh, you know, obviously Dirty Jim's talking about the new single was just released this past week. It was called Panic Attack. It's from the upcoming Judas Priest album called Invincible Shield, uh, which will be released on March 8th, 2024. Now, uh, I actually wanted to read Hubi Heart Attackers, or his name is Giro Hesse, on, on Facebook. I want to read his his uh, review first of all. So, Giro! So, Giro, good to hear from you. Uh, we know that you're a Priest fan. You like all kinds of music. You're, you're right there uh, in our... Uh, uh, age demographic, and he says this. He says, panic uh, regarding Panic Attack, he says, The song is a perfect mixture of various Priest classics. It has a cool 80s vibe and reminds me of Painkiller, especially when the last guitar solo starts, which you don't expect. At this time in their career, it's crazy that they come out with such energized and inspiring material. Now I expect another modern... Priest classic after Firepower. I really dig Panic Attack. And I forgot to mention that Rob's performance is stellar as the guitar work and drumming and the production is top notch. So that's from our fan from Germany, Gero Hesse. That's his uh, thoughts on the song Panic Attack. Uh, Dirty Jim, both you and I have heard the song Panic, Panic Attack as well. Right. Give me your synopsis of Panic Attack, and I will follow. All right. Well, like I said in the last episode, Hollywood, that one man's trash is another one's treasure. Okay. And sometimes one man's trash is just another man's trash. <laughs> now, I've heard this song probably probably five or six times now because I wanted, you know, the first time I heard it, I said, okay, let me let this resonate. Then I heard it again. Heard it again to mean you just listen to it again. Right. So I think the body of the song is pretty good. I think it's, I wouldn't say great, but I would say it's very good. The body. The uh, chorus, I do not like the chorus. I don't like anything that doesn't show off Halford's vocals. I I think that the verses are they're fantastic. I love the verses. I think the intro, it's way too long, but when that intro kicks in to that Judas Priest style, not the turbo style, but when it kicks into the heavy Judas Priest style at the end of the intro, I think automatically I'm like, wow, now I'm starting to like it. But that beginning of the intro, it sounded too turbo-y. It also sounded very video game-like. Um, the chorus itself, I don't think it's, it's not flashy. It's too, it's too weird. It's almost pretty maids. It sounds a little like pretty maids. Um, it's short. It's to the point. It does not have what I want from Halford's voice. Uh, the musical break is good. I don't like how the song ended because it basically ended with the chorus. If this sounded anything like, 
um, firepower. And that's what I was expecting. I'm like, you know, are we going to get a little firepower or at least something like it? I would have absolutely loved it. I know that somebody did comment underneath something on the website that they did not like firepower. I can't remember who it was. And I did write below it. I, I just asked, I said, you know, what did you not like about firepower? But I never got an answer to it. But to me, firepower was awesome. If this sounded like firepower, I would have loved this song. I am a little nervous of what the rest of the album is going to sound like if this is the first release. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I actually think we could throw this on the playlist now, and it would be okay. I just don't like some elements about it, but I love some other elements about it. What do you think? Okay, so for me, right away, when the song started, it starts with an opening keyboard melody. And honestly, I was shocked at first, shocked in... Not a good way. <laughs> I, I, Hollywood, when I heard that keyboard, I immediately thought of you. I was like, no, please don't. And I, you know, it, it's okay once the, because quickly after the opening uh, keyboard melody started, the, then an electric guitar came in and doubled the keyboard melody line. So I was like, okay, it's fine. It got saved by the, you know, the, the electric guitar. And so it kept going and going. It actually lasted pretty long, like you said, for about 45 seconds. That's even before we hear now the the actual guitar riff, not the verse, not the actual singing. Right. Once we get into that slamming guitar riff, now it's pretty good. I'm liking the riff. We get to the verses. The verses are pretty good. And actually there's something in the verses that there's like a, a, a vocal melody line that he does at the end of a, a line that sounds just like a song on firepower. And I, I just couldn't figure out which song it was. Uh, but it's, it's, so there's a little element of reminding me of, of a firepower uh, song on, from that album. When we get to the chorus, it's a basic repetition of the song title. It's just panic attack, panic attack, panic attack, panic attack. So, no other lyrics to go around Panic Attack. So it's a little lazy to me. And, and now it's not to say that, I mean, there are songs where it just repeats the title and we can't say that all of those songs are bad songs because it just repeats the title. But, it, you know, it is it is kind of a little lazy. I like to have a little bit of uh, storyline, a little bit of lyrics around the actual title of the song to, you know, build a nice chorus it wasn't there in this song for me, but it was still pounding. It was definitely metal, and I liked it. It was aggressive. Now, we get to the, the music break, the guitar solo starting at about 3 minutes and 16 seconds. I love the way uh, Richie Faulkner, he starts it off kind of with this sweet-picking line, and then as he's going through the solo, he's doing a combination of like sweet picking and legato phrasing, and he's doing some tapping in there. And man, he's doing a lot of different uh, uh, tricks and techniques throughout the solo. And then as it gets towards the end of that middle guitar break, we then hear the classic priest dual harmony guitars to end out that middle portion of the solo, which is awesome. I love it. I expect to hear that. And I'm glad they kept it for this song. 
Then as we're getting towards the end of the song, I'm loving hearing uh, uh, different aspects of the double bass drumming by Scott Travis. He's on point. I love Scott's uh, drumming style. And then Halford hits a final scream at 4 minutes and 53 seconds. I think it's an insane scream. He sounds great. There's other parts where he kind of goes into an upper register during the song where it almost sounds like he's forcing his voice a little bit. Almost like uh, on the album Redeemer of Souls. On Redeemer of Souls, I don't think his vocals were in top shape as they were on Firepower. I think his uh, vocals on Firepower were much better than on Redeemer of Souls. So there are portions of the song where I think his uh, vocals uh, weren't up to par with Firepower, but that last scream was really good. And then it went into another ending guitar solo, which I, of course, I love. And then, as Dirty Jim said, it just ends with them repeating Panic Attack, Panic Attack to end the song. Overall, if I was going to grade the song, I do like the song. Uh, I, would I go grade B prime cut? I'd probably go grade A deep cut. I agree. To maybe, you know... Great A plus deep cut. <laughs> right. I would say the same thing because I say grade B prime, and I'm like, well, I don't feel it's prime, but I also don't feel it's much lower than a grade A deep. Right, right. So overall, personally, Hollywood thinks it's a it's a good song. It's a good Judas Priest song. It's slamming. I think it's a it's an upbeat song. It's a heavy song. I dig it. I will not skip the song if I if it comes up on the playlist. Right. Eventually, it's going to end up on the playlist, whether we do it today or we, we do it you know when the album actually comes out. But still, um, I think it's a good song. It sounds like Dirty Jim thinks it's uh, you know a decent song as well. Now, Augie and Darlene, Augie had texted me right after the song came out. Okay. And, you know, when Augie texts me, I'm like, oh, I hope there's nothing wrong because Augie doesn't <laughs> text me very often. And then... Augie texted me, and he wanted to talk about the Judas Priest song. Oh, oh, okay, let's hear. It. And Augie, he didn't love it. I think he, I think he has the same feelings that we do. He thought when it started, he said it sounds too much like something from Turbo, and I agree. When it first right. started, it got, it was a little scary. I thought, I thought Rob was putting on the colorful jacket again. You know, I, <laughs> I think that Rob was, he was trading in the black leather for the colorful jacket so he could fly away back into the, uh, back into the um, backstage. Do you, I don't know if you remember that part of the uh, show, but when Rob Halford was wearing that very colorful jacket, he kind of flew into the back. Uh, Backstage when one of the songs was over, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Rob, put the black leather back on, man. But Darlene, I don't think, liked it that much at all. But I think Augie probably feels the same way we do. Even during the panic attack, panic attack part, the music in the back of it is heavy and it's really good. I just didn't really like that part, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think we're, I think all three of us, uh, Augie, you and I are on the same page with it. And uh, Giro Hesse, I think he, he likes it a little bit more than we do, which is cool. I mean, that's it's awesome that, that he does. Right. And But a, as far as a song a teaser for the rest of the album, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be at least Firepower Part 2. 
but Halford and the band have said it's not going to be Firepower Part 2. It's going to be... They're, they're actually talking about there's going to be elements of progressive uh, rock and metal on this album. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be interesting that they're going to be introducing kind of like a progressive element, uh, which is, you know, obviously going back to the 70s. So, I don't know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll see when it happens. We'll see if it's going to be... Uh interesting <laughs> yeah but anyway why don't we go on to this episode for this classic album that we're going to be talking about today okay hold on one second hollywood i have one thing to say before we get into that all right then do it are you ready i'm ready all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> he just opened his beer. He, that was a, a Dukes, wasn't it? That I had to get a Dukes for this episode. I feel like I need that punch in the back of my throat. <laughs> okay. All right, then, guys. So here we go. Uh, as far as the band Judas Priest, they formed in Birmingham, England back in 1969. The album we're talking about today is Stained Class. It was released February 10th, 1978. I was 10 years old. Wow. This is the, the, the fourth album in their catalog, and the band members, here we have the legendary metal god himself, Rob Halford on lead vocals, K.K. Downing on guitar, Glenn Tipton on guitar, Ian Hill on bass, and the drummer, Les Binks. Dirty Jim, go for some album notes. All right. It, this is the first of three albums to feature the drummer, Les Binks, that you just stated. And the first to feature the band's well-known logo, replacing the gothic script logo, which appeared on all of the previous albums. This is the only album to feature songwriting by all five band members, and it's the first Priest album to crack the Billboard Top 200 chart, and they came in at number 173. It hit number 27 in the UK and number 49 in Japan. And after the success of later albums, Stained Class was eventually certified gold in the US. And that kind of happens with a lot of different bands where, yeah, you know, these first few albums weren't really big in the United States. And then all of a sudden they hit it big with other albums and everyone wants to go listen to everything else they had. And that's what happened with this album. Yeah. And it was ranked number 43 on Rolling Stone's 2017 list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. And that is about all, Hollywood. Want to get right into it? Let's do it, Dirty Jim. Let's start with track number one, Exciter. Okay, what you just heard right there was track number one, Exciter. And according to K.K. Downing, Les Binks accidentally came up with the drum intro for the song at a sound check on their Sin After Sin tour. And during the 1990 civil action brought against the band, which we will probably talk about several times on this album, this song was played backwards to the court and Halford demonstrated that when played in reverse, the song appeared to contain the phrase, I asked for a peppermint. I asked for her to get one. This action showed that by playing any song in reverse, phrases could be formed by the human brain. And that same point applied to Better By You, Better Than Me, which, again, we will probably talk about later on in the episode. But <laughs> this song, did I mention this was the second single from the album Hollywood? I'm not sure if I said that already. Well, you just did. 
Because I'm very excited. I mean, this song is Exciter, <laughs> but I am very excited. Yes, you are. <laughs> the start of this album, from start to finish, this is a pummeling of the tympanic membrane. And it lasted <laughs> five minutes and 34 seconds. This this song is one of those typical songs. It's usually a three-minute song, but this right. one lasted five minutes and 34 seconds. That is enough time to have multiple eargasms, and that I did, Hollywood. I had those multiple <laughs> eargasms. Oh, yeah. I think I just had an eargasm. And this is an (laughs) awesome start to the album. That musical break is so classic. I can't even count the times that I heard that thing and the countless places that I heard that. This song is absolutely fantastic. Not only that, Hollywood, but here I go. Oh, my God. There I go, blowing it early. This is my dirty delivery. 911, what's your emergency? It's a dirty delivery. Wow, Dirty Jim, you pulled the trigger on the first song. Oh, this is like meeting a new girl and being with her for the first time, and you just can't contain it. That's what Exciter was to me. I love this song. I can't believe. I mean, Priest made some very good, I would say great albums before this, but boy. To start out like this, this is the priest I love. What do you think, Hollywood? So the song Exciter for me. The opening drum pattern by Les Binks there with that that double bass line, it's actually considered the foundational song for speed metal or thrash metal done in a priest way. So that double bass is not only signature to this song, but signature to speed metal and thrash metal as a whole for the whole genre. So Les Binks is is really uh, to be credited uh, for that. Um, as you're listening to the song, I mean, it's this is just goodness after goodness after goodness. It just it continues to to build throughout the entire song. I love the music. I love the lyrics. I love the 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 uh, the the chorus. And I got to say, for me, the live version from Unleashed in the East is superior in that it's a tad bit faster. There's a little more aggression. The guitars are more metallicized in the Unleashed in the East version uh, uh, for this song. To me, that version sounds just a little more metal than this studio version on Stained Class. Although, obviously, this is classic. I love this studio version, too. And I love the part on uh, on Unleashed in the East where Rob sings, Fall to your knees and repent, if you please. And then you hear the loud screams of thousands of Japanese girls. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I was listening to an interview with, um, it was either Halford or, or K.K. Downing, and they were saying, Apparently in the 1970s, hard rock and heavy metal music in Japan was actually considered female music. 
That's why if you listen to Unleashed in the East or let's say even uh, Live at Budokan by Cheap Trick, all the screaming that you're hearing in between songs and during the songs, you're actually hearing very high-pitched girls screaming. It's because at least 70%, you know, 75% of the audience was all female. So, uh, but I mean, this song, I mean, the, the, the guitar solo is awesome. And that, that ending crescendo scream where he's like, stand by for excited, stand by for excited, stand by for excited, stand by for excited. What do you, you have a Japanese girl in your closet over there? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh dude this is an amazing song it's absolutely a grade a plus plus prime cut is there more to come and it's also my badass blast track of the album three two one badass blast Oh, Dirty Jim. Ooh, doggy. Oh, man. What does that mean? What does that mean, Dirty Uh, Jim? I know exactly (laughs) what that means. Play it, Hollywood. Ooh, doggy, that's spanking good. Wow. So dirty. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's spanking good. There's some spanking going on in the first track. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. What were the Japanese men doing? Did they not go to the show? I, I You know what? I don't know, but uh, uh, I guess hard rock metal music was for females. I guess it was their their music. I don't know why. Wow. Very interesting. I have to l- research that a little bit, but I was listening to different interviews you know, over the last week, and that was uh, one thing that kind of just stuck out in my mind. I'm like, huh. That's an interesting tidbit. And then I kind of remembered listening to Cheap Trick live at Budokan and those girls. And I listened to a couple songs. I'm like, yep, a lot of that screaming in, in between is our women screaming, girls Can screaming. Can you imagine so. going to a Judas Priest show and having 75% women at the show? That's That's like our heaven. Dude, and and for them, Judas Priest back in the day in the United States or in in England or wherever, mostly, you know, grubby males. Yeah. Except except when they would go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, now when you say grubby, we did take showers though when before yeah, we did the yeah. show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. Oh come on, you're dirty, so you, you <laughs> have to have a little bit of filth on you. Only in my mind. Only in my mind. Should we go on to track number two? Let's do it. All right, here we go with track number two, White Heat, Red Hot. Okay, so that was a song called White Heat, Red Hot. And what a cool opening guitar riff to the song. I I love the way it opens up. And as I'm listening to the song as a whole, one thing that's really standing out to me already uh, on the album is the drumming of Les Binks. I mean, this dude, I mean, what an amazing addition to the band. And just at the right time, I mean, obviously to take the music of Judas Priest and just kind of kick it up a notch and and really metallicize the band. I mean, I'm sure if, uh, you know, we talk to uh, to Giro Hesse or Andy Pacelli or Metal Mike Heston or uh, what other drummers do we have out there? Nico Pisani. 
uh, Nico, Craig Bassani, who was our original drummer back in uh, DEFCON days, back in the 80s. Um, Joe, even Gabriel. Joe Gabriel. Joe Gabriel, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure these guys, if they, they listen and they focus on the, just the drumming for Les Binks, man, this guy really, you know, had something special going on with him. So you add that drumming to the amazing guitar playing of K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton and Rob Halford again. His voice, the things that he's able to do with his voice is just incredible. When we get to the chorus, he sings some really cool stuff, but I really like uh, what he did in the bridge. I thought that uh, the bridge was a really cool portion of the song. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Halford, I mean, what, what can you say about him? I mean, he's just he, all, all in out, just an amazing, amazing singer. Uh, the song White Heat, Red Hot, for me, it, it's a prime cut. I would consider it a grade B prime cut. I dig the song, and, and it absolutely makes the ultimate Gen X Rock and Mixtape playlist on Spotify. Now, Hollywood, I think when this song starts, that intro it's so full of attitude. Like you could feel the attitude with that intro and the verses when Halford comes in, he's kind of, it kind of feels like he's badgering you and it's so persistent because he keeps coming at you. Uh, the solo is awesome. And the chorus, it's my fourth favorite part of this song. And I think that's great too. <laughs> I don't agree okay. with you about being grade B. I think this uh -huh. is definitely a grade A prime cut. I don't I don't even know where I could rank this on this album because by the end of this people are going to be like, "Okay, I think they really like this album." But I mean, obviously, <laughs> song number 1, Exciter was my dirty delivery for the album. If I could give this something else, I would, but I can't because that's the rules Hollywood. I love this song, but I definitely think that it is more grade A prime cut for myself. And I think that Giro and and Jay Williams would agree with me, as well as Mr. Augie Lopes and Mark Noss, probably even Darlene Lopes and countless others. So let's move <laughs> on to track number three. Better by you, better than me. All right, everybody, that was track number three, Better By You, Better Than Me, which was the first single for the album. And this was actually a last-minute addition to the album when CBS Records insisted on including something with commercial potential to liven up the album. I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, when you hear this album, to liven it up, I have no idea what they're talking about. But I'm glad they did add it. Uh, this song was originally recorded by the British rock band Spooky Tooth on their 1969 album Spooky 2. And it was written by their vocalist keyboard player Gary Wright, who is also famous for his solo hit Dream Weaver. Did you know that, Hollywood? I did, yes. Dream Weaver. Weaver. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On December 23rd, 1985, this song became part of a music censorship controversy when a Nevada 18-year-old killed himself after listening to the Stained Class album while smoking pot and drinking. Now, he and his friend apparently made a suicide pact, but the friend survived another three years after that. After the friend died, the families filed suit against Judas Priest and the record company claiming the words, do it 
were subliminally, were subliminally, were subliminally. Say that again. <laughs> Boy, this is tough. I'm, you know, this is now my third beer of the podcast, which obviously shouldn't be making my lips do this, but it did. Um, but do it. We're subliminally embedded in the song and encourage their children to kill themselves. And as you saw in the first song we were talking about where Rob Halford showed that any song could say pretty much anything you want it to say as long as you think you heard it uh, when you play it backwards. But this song, you know, with all that controversy, you know, to the side, this is a great song, even if it wasn't theirs originally. Uh, just like the last song, the intro was full of attitude, but that was followed up with some serious Halford attitude. And this really was just medium to upper medium tempo gloriousness. The only part of the song that doesn't really rock as much as the rest is the outro. And that's kind of a damn shame because this song was great up until that point. And, you know, the outro wasn't horrible, but man, I wish it just kept rocking right out into the outro. To me, this is not grade A prime. It's more grade B prime, but I still love it. That outro is not swaying me from my decision. What do you think, Hollywood? Okay, so when you think of this being a, a, a cover song, the original song goes back to 1969. So in hearing the original track, I don't know if you actually listened to the original Spooky Tooth track. I did. Uh, and so, obviously, that's the original is slower. Priest version is a little bit faster. And on the Priest version, they actually added a pre-chorus, the portion when he goes, Everybody, buddy, everybody knows. That part, that's something that was not in the Spooky Tooth track. That's something that Rob Halford and the band added uh, before they get into the to the chorus. But that chorus is so odd and different, you know, with the kind of the the ringing out of the the guitar chords, the clean tone guitar chords. It's it's almost sounds like a, a chiming, uh, um, a strum of a guitar chord. It's so different, and it contrasts with the the heaviness uh, uh, of the riff. You know, so. You you talked a lot about the stuff as far as what happened with the song and you know the, you know the, the sad uh, court case and the kids who died and stuff. But there was a a comedian by the name of Bill Hicks. I don't know if you remember uh, that comedian or listened to any of his stuff there on on YouTube. But Bill Hicks he actually referred to the case in his stand up routines and uh, he said you know what performer wants his audience dead. And then he would continue, he would perform the sketch mimicking Judas Priest being sick of their wealth or sick of their power and fame. And then just to come up with subliminal messages as a solution to their problem so that they could kill off their fans. So obviously Bill Hicks was taking it to the extreme to help people to understand, you know what, people, there's something else behind what happened here. And... In the end, it was really pointed out that it had nothing to do with Judas Priest and a lot had to do with either uh, the, the parenting style or lack thereof uh, for the kids. The kids were, you know, they were uh, high on drugs. Maybe they had mental problems. There was a lot of other stuff going on. It had nothing at all to do with the song or the supposed 
subliminal messages in the song. So it was just, you know, people trying to, uh, you know, uh, capture a, a little bit of wealth or trying to capture that uh, from a famous band. So anyway, the song overall, I dig the song Better By You, Better Than Me. To me, it uh, absolutely makes it to the ultimate Gen X Rock and Mixtape playlist on Spotify. Now, can you believe, Hollywood, that the record company thought this thing needed something a little, a little more because it wasn't what they were expecting, you know? It's well, like, I mean, the, the 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 label they heard the whole album, right? And I mean, obviously, the album does have a, a darker tone. Has a, you know, it's a little you know heavier, a little more sinister. They were thinking that, oh, okay, let's get them a song that could you know lighten up the the <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the album, <laughs> and and better by you, better than me, you know, lightened up the uh, the album. I don't think so. Uh, it's still uh, it's dark in its own way, and. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting how a lot of those groups in the 70s, uh, they actually, a lot of them did covers. Right. And they would do them fairly quickly after the original was released. I mean, Judas Priest have done it several times. Obviously, on Sin After Sin, they covered Diamonds and Rust by Joan Baez. Uh, but come on, if you go all the way back to uh, Jimi Hendrix, I mean, uh, uh, Bob Dylan would release a song... And Jimi Hendrix would cover it like uh, you know right away six months later. <laughs> right, that's true. He wasn't even you know, you know he would play you know, all along the Watchtower or uh, you know whatever you know knocking on Heaven's Door and you know the, all these other bands they were covering each other's music really within a, a year period two years three years boom and there's other bands covering their material. Is there a band that hasn't done knocking on Heaven's Door? Oh my God, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I think the only band that hasn't done it. Is priest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't listen to that song anymore. No, I heard I, it so much back in the day. It's like, yeah, I can't do it. You know, the first time I heard that song, I was like, man, this is a great song. And then like the 5,000th time, it's like, man, stop. Just stop. Yeah. It's like it's like <laughs> listening to Led Zeppelin constantly on the radio. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's move on to track number four, Stay in Class. All right, you just heard the title track, Stained Class. Now, I absolutely love, love, love that distorted guitar intro. I mean, it's just, it's fierce, it's aggressive, and then it leads just into this galloping main riff. I love the beginning of this title track. It's it's so awesome. And then when you hear Robert Hal uh, Rob Halford sing uh, the verses, he kind of sings in his higher register. There's times when he's actually going right into a, this high falsetto. And I'm hearing his style as he's singing here. And this is, this is the kind of singing that now you have later bands start to emulate and copy, or I should say try to copy Rob Halford. A ton of bands were starting to do this kind of stuff later on. I'm thinking specifically of a band called Merciful Fate and King Diamond. So the lead singer King Diamond, he does a lot of this higher falsetto stuff. And every now and then, I'll hear Rob Halford start singing in this higher falsetto. And right away, boom, what comes up into my mind, King Diamond. And But the way King Diamond sings, to me... Is almost it's cartoonish. I, I I personally I could never get into Merciful Fate or King Diamond because 
his falsetto to me sounded fake. It sounded like him trying to imitate Rob Halford and he couldn't do it. Now, I'm sure there's a bunch of metalheads out there who are into Merciful Fate and King Diamond. They'll be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He's awesome. You know what? The music for the band and the bands that he uh, has had over the years. Yeah, there's some, some cool riffs, some good heavy music. But his singing, I can't stand his style of singing because he's always in that higher falsetto. I shouldn't say always. Come on. Okay, sometimes he does sing into a, a lower kind of a gravelly voice. But he's known for that high falsetto, which I believe he got from Rob Halford. And he tries to uh, imitate him. But anyway, uh, the guitar soloing throughout this song is constant throughout the verses. I love hearing those little uh, licks. Uh, lead guitar uh, licks throughout the song. I dig those a lot. And then we get that uh, musical break starting at 3 minutes and 17 seconds. It starts with that massive, massive heavy guitar riffage, which leads right into the main guitar solo. Insane. I love the title track, Stained Class. It's obviously making the playlist. Dirty Jim, what did you think? Hollywood, are you a big Simpsons guy? No, I'm not. I mean, I've I've seen some stuff. I know what the show is about, but I've never really watched it faithfully or regularly. I have not watched it regularly, but I've definitely seen, you know, episodes here and there. But on season 25 of The Simpsons, Judas Priest were called Black Metal. <laughs> and in the following week's episode, an apology was given. Bart Simpson wrote, Judas Priest is not death metal on the blackboard, and he wrote it several times on the blackboard. Yes, so, I do remember seeing that little clip. I've seen that before. <laughs> I saw that, and I'm like, wow, I don't even remember this. But you know what? Yeah. Season 25, I mean, wh how many shows go 25 seasons? I don't even know if they're still going. They probably are. Yeah, they probably are. I, I have no clue. But this, this has a great intro, this song, and... You know, at the end of the intro, it starts that Iron Maiden gallop like you talked about. Yeah. Halford, I like in that very first verse where he's kind of trading off lyrics with himself. Yeah. Um, I wish yeah. he kind of continued that throughout all the verses. But this has one of the best choruses on the album. And even that that bridge, what a great bridge. Everything yeah. about this song is awesome. I think this is just more grade A prime. I don't even know if I... Did I do any grade B here? I'm trying to look. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. This I got to say, this is a great album so far. Four songs, all well-deserving of the playlist. Nothing even dipped down into um, deep cut territory. Not even no close, way. No. you know? Not even a question. No, and, and when you were talking about the, uh, the chorus, too... I like how he does in the chorus where he kind of he's letting his notes ring out. Right. He's not he's not uh, uh, doing like high pitched scream. He's actually doing a a really cool melodic singing in in the chorus, and I love the way he sings that chorus. It's it's just an awesome song. Much different th than Panic Attack. Yeah, it's yeah much different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we we talked about twelve minutes. Uh, on that Panic Attack song. So let's move on to track number five of this one, Invader. 
All right, that was track number five, Invader. And Ian Hill received his first songwriting credit for co-writing this along with Halford and Tipton. And it was added to the band's set list in 2021, making Heroes End the only song off of the album that has never been performed live. But as far as the song goes, if I had my way, Hollywood, what would I do? What is the first thing I would do? You would uh, cut out the intro. Right. I would start the (laughs) intro at the 36-second mark and get rid of the rest. And after that, this song forges ahead at an upper tempo, um, except for the bridge. It does slow down during the bridge, but that takes nothing away from this song. Um, The outro, when it gets to the outro, it does have that ACDC repetitive ending But by that time, you're already invested in this song. And even with that repetitive ending, it was not bad at all. But now I think, here we go, Hollywood. This is the first one that I think does not qualify for grade A prime, although there's probably plenty of people out there that think it does. I think it more settles in at the grade B prime level. What do you think? Okay, so... Uh, that opening intro that Dirty Jim did not like is uh, the, the sound of a, a sequencer uh, that they use to kind of emulate uh, the futuristic sound of a, of a spaceship taking off. And they've actually used that live in concert. And uh, it's uh, Glenn Tipton is the one who's using the, the sequencer. You could actually see him turning the knob on stage to make that sound. And then they go into, they actually, when they were using it, they used it to go into a song Starbreaker uh, instead of the song Invader. But um, yeah, so I don't mind the intro. I like it because it's part and parcel of the song. It, it goes with the story. Obviously, the story is about, you know, the attack of aliens and spaceships and how the world needs to get united to be able to stand up against this attack of, of invaders. And so uh, Halford is is awesome again on the vocals. I love the bridge, even though it slows down. Halford's vocals soar during the bridge. And then there's such a cool guitar solo that I love. One thing that I think is really interesting, and this is obviously come from a, a musician standpoint, when it comes to the very end of the guitar solo, they end the guitar solo. It's it's Glenn Tipton. He ends the guitar solo with this really cool f- uh, flurry of really fast notes, but he ends the uh, the the solo on a major key note, which if you heard it, you're like, okay, why does that sound different? Well, it sounds different because the solo ends on, quote-unquote, a happy note. And so I always thought that was really cool and neat that he did that because it sounds different. And so I I enjoyed that uh, about the the guitar solo. Now, I thought about another song called Invaders by Iron Maiden. Dirty Jim. On one hand, we have Invaders by Iron Maiden from the album The Number of the Beast. And then we have Invader by Judas Priest off of, uh, you know, Stained Class. Which song are you picking first? Oh. (laughs) You know. If you had a choice, which song do you want to hear first? Or which one do you like better? Man, that's a tough one because Bruce Dickinson on their Invaders is awesome. Now, 
we go to Rob Halford on here's, his. Here's the thing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> here's the thing that's so interesting that you and I we we go right to what is our our thing, quote unquote, our thing. You go right to the vocals. I go right to the sound of the guitars. Right. <laughs> right. That's so true. So go ahead. Well, I was saying that you know Bruce Dickinson's Invaders is awesome, but then on the other hand. You have Judas Priest, and when I say Bruce Dickinson, I meant Iron Maiden, but I do love how Bruce Dickinson sounds in it. But then you go to Judas Priest, Invader, which is also awesome. So when you put them on a scale, I don't think either one is pushing the other one down to be more awesome than the other one, but... If I had to play them in order of my favorite, I think it would go Made in Priest. But that doesn't take away my love for Priest. <laughs> Man, you, you're really riding the fence here. <laughs> you know what? I, it's hard to pick, but boy, that Invaders by Maiden is so good. I would probably put that at grade A prime, where I'm putting this at grade B prime. Yeah, for me, it, it's no question. Right away, I would go with Invaders by Iron Maiden. Just for the fact that I love the sound of the guitar production on uh, that album, The Number of the Beast. The sound of those guitars, it's so metal. I mean, I love the sound. And that opening uh, track for that album, I think was awesome. I know we, we covered the album in a past episode, and we know that the band and Steve Harris, they didn't like it. They're like, ah, oh, this is a, you know a bad opening to you know to uh, to the album. We're like, what are you talking about? That's a great song. I love in, you know the song Invaders. A couple of but stupids I, there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like, oh, you know what? What about that other song? You know we don't like that song either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, I think Invaders a really cool song. But if I was uh, um, make, making a choice, it definitely would be the song Invaders by Iron Maiden over this one. To me, this is a really cool song. I'm definitely going grade B prime cut for Invader, but it's still making the playlist. Would you give Invader's grade A prime cut for Maiden? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Grade A prime cut all the way for that lead track uh, off that album. You know, speaking of metal, like every time you say the word metal, it always reminds me of really now he's mustache, but it always reminds me of Metal Mike Heston. (laughs) And it only leads me to think that we need to perhaps give Mike Heston a challenge in the future to give us like a uh, a 10-spot episode for a band of his, not of his choosing, because I don't, I don't want, I don't want Mike Heston choosing yeah. a band for this. No, but we do. I we yeah, <laughs> we give him one, and he gives us ten songs back. What do you think? I think that would be a great idea, and I think he would love to do it. But yeah, we need to take control of which band and which album, and and or which band I should say. And let him come up with the the songs for the ten spot. <laughs> right, because all of a sudden we'd be doing ten of ten of his favorites from Witchfinder General. Yeah, <laughs> that that are sanctuary, you know, a five finger death punch. Yeah, we will <laughs> we will give him uh, an a assignment to do on the next episode. All right, okay, we'll we'll come up with something for him. Sounds good. Let's move on in this album to track number six. Saints in Hell. 
All right, that was a song called Saints in Hell. And the, the, the way the song starts, an absolute fierce metal guitar intro. I love the, the, the start of this song. And within 20 seconds, Rob Halford, he's starting to wail. And, uh, you know, I'm in heaven. Even though the song's called Saints in Hell, I'm in heaven nice. listening to Halford's voice. <laughs> That's a good one, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to the chorus, man, so good. The, the, the guitar riff underneath the vocal melody line that Rob Halford is doing, you know, wake the dead, the saints are in hell. When he sings that part, when you if you focus on the guitar riff under what he's uh, uh, singing, Oh my God, it's like so cool. It's like, wow. Again, another one of those songs where if you play a riff and you're like, okay there, Rob, put a vocal melody over that. And it's like, how do you put a vocal melody over something that's, you know, so difficult? (laughs) But uh, he was able to do it. And then we get to uh, uh, around the the three minute mark or so, there's the middle bridge. It's kind of this... It slows down, but it's just kind of this heavy plodding for about a whole minute. Just dent, 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 it's like it's like you're waiting for something to happen. What's gonna happen here? It's just you know trudging along, and finally when it hits the the uh, the mark around three minutes and thirteen seconds, then we hear this awesome metal tremolo picking that just just chunking I love the sound of that guitar there and then here's a shocker for a uh, for a um, Judas Priest song no guitar solo in this song so but hearing the song it didn't need it now I'm sure Dirty Jim may feel differently when it comes to the to the middle bridge area it was kind of long uh, but it, it to me it was fine but when we get to the end of the song, Rob Halford does this uh, vibrato as he's singing the title of the song at the end. But what he's doing with his vibrato, he's doing this this descending vibrato, which is really hard to do. He's singing the the the, the a, a word or a portion of the word, and he's doing a descending vibrato with his voice. Try doing that. Guys, just try doing it. It's so hard to do. It's not like he's choosing different words and stepping down a half step and another half step and another half step. No, he's doing this descending uh, vibrato. It's so hard to do. This guy's amazing. Uh, I don't know. Has he had training? Did we? I don't even think I've ever looked up. Has is Rob Halford a classically trained singer? Dirty Jim, have you ever noticed that in in all our research? I would imagine he's got to be operatically tra- uh, trained. There's no way a guy with a voice like this wasn't trained. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. I just and that's it's so weird that I mean I love the guy so much and we love him. I don't think I've ever looked that bit of information up to see if he's classically trained. We'll figure out by the end of this episode, I'm sure. <laughs> I did read something like before he was, you know, in the band, he was doing something else musically, but not singing. And I was like, well, why wasn't he singing? Wasn't he in a band? I mean, 
did this voice just come out of nowhere? Did someone just say, hey, I got a friend that could sing, and his name is Rob, and then he comes, and, and this is Rob Halford that we know today? He has to be trained. I mean, come on. Him and you know him and Tate and Dickinson, there's no way they just stepped in there and started singing. Yeah, and you know what? Something tells me I, I, I really don't think so because I've heard his um, uh, autobiography, the one uh, that he wrote called Confess. Right. I have the audio book, and I've listened to it, I don't remember him talking about that. I remember him talking about, you know, he was, you know, growing up and, you know, he had a hard life growing up and then he was working in the theater because he wanted to be an actor. And then he, you know, he joined this band. He was in a couple bands and the last band before Priest was uh, uh, Hiroshima or Hiroshima, whatever. And and that's it. And then he just, he, he realized he had this voice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, Saints in Hell, absolutely making the playlist. Dirty Jim, what did you think? I would love to wake up one day and realize I have this voice, but that's that's obviously <laughs> that ship has sailed. But anyway, as far yes, as long ago, <laughs> as far as Saints in Hell, um, former USA soccer star Brian McBride credits headbanging to Metallica. ACDC, and Judas Priest for being able to generate so much power on his headers. He scored the lone U.S. goal in the 1998 World Cup with his head. Wow. (laughs) But when it comes to this song, this is a welcome change of pace on this album. You know, it slows it down a little, but nothing near a ballad. Like, don't think that this is a ballad. If you have not heard this song, Saints in Hell is nothing (laughs) close to a ballad, but it is a lot slower than most of the songs that have played before it. And Halford shines on this one. Everything about this song screams Halford. But the chorus is short and to the point, but I agree with you. It is so good. And again, I also love the bridge like you did. But I think that if you listen to it, I think they doubled down here and they gave two bridges. It seemed like they started with one, then there was a short little break, and then they kind of came to another bridge that was nothing like the rest of the song. So I think they doubled mm. down on bridges. And that's a rare, you, you don't see too many bands double down, doubling, doubling <laughs> down on bridges. I didn't even know how to say that one. But. Anyway, I think they did double down on bridges, two different bridges, and that's unheard of. As far as I know, I'm sure there's a song out there that has double down or double fisted a bridge. <laughs> but again, you have a ACDC ending where they kind of just repeat. And also, again, you're already invested in the song, but that, that ACDC style ending does not ruin the song at all. Another great song. I don't think you ranked it, Hollywood, but I would say this is also grade B prime. I don't think it's quite grade A, but it's it's close. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, well, let's move on to track number seven. <laughs> uh, we won't double down on anything here. We're going to track number seven, Savage. That was track number seven, Savage, and it is written from an American Indian's perspective and tells about the pain and misery that the Europeans brought upon the Native Americans. Now, in that intro, Hollywood, I would say that from the last song, Halford picks it up a notch. When I thought that he was great in the last song, he picks it up a notch in this intro. (laughs) And then the song advances at a steady gallop during the verses. 
and then burst into that chorus. Now, you know I love me a good bridge, Hollywood, because I always brag about bridges in songs. But I don't think that this one really has a bridge. If it does, the only bridge this thing has is at the end of the song because what appears to be a bridge, it's actually just an upper register of the um, uh, verses right at the end of this song. But I think it kind of ends in a little bridge. I'm not even sure what to call that. But this is a great song. And again, I don't think it's grade A prime, but I do think it's prime. It's more grade B prime, probably. I'm not going to give it a grade B minus. I'm not going to give it a grade B plus. I think it's just a solid grade B prime. What do you think? Okay, so just like you said there, that that opening uh, sequence there of the song, it's, you know, the the this bombastic music happens. Bombastic. Bombastic, and right away you hear this insane operatic vocal screams in different pitch levels by the legendary Robert John Arthur Halford. Mr. Bombastic. <laughs> Man, such a such a good uh you know vocal delivery throughout the song. Uh, I dig the verses and the chorus. When we get to the solo, there's a really cool uh, guitar solo by K.K. Downing who ends it in this barrage of fiery fingers at the end. And then I totally dig the way the song ends with that those extra guitar riffs. Like you were saying, it's kind of a bridge. It's a little bit different the way they ended the song where he's singing, Who's a savage? A modern man. There's like these extra guitar riffs that just sound heavy and metallic. And I totally dig the song. I think it's awesome. It deserves to be on the ultimate Gen X rock and mixtape playlist on Spotify. All right, let's move on to track number eight, Beyond the Realms of Death. Okay, so what you heard was a song called Beyond the Realms of Death. Now, this song, if you want to call it that, here's what we're going to call it. I'm calling it a power ballad. Uh, this is not a power ballad in the sense of uh, hair metal, glam metal type power ballad. This to me is like the, the true essence of it starts off as a ballad. It's an acoustic ballad at the very beginning, but then it picks up the pace during the song and it becomes this slamming heavy song. It's powerful. It's a ballad. It's a power ballad. Okay, so the the song itself actually has a writing credit for the drummer Les Binks. He's the one who actually started off with that that opening uh, arpeggiated intro. One day he was, you know, um, uh, hanging out with the band. He picked up an acoustic guitar. Uh, K.K. Downing said it wasn't Glenn's because Glenn was super protective over his guitars. So it was one of K.K.'s guitars. So K he picked up the guitar. He flipped it over because Les, Banks, Les Binks is left-handed. And he started playing this opening arpeggiated intro. The band was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, he's a drummer and he, he picked, they didn't even know that he could play guitar. Especially upside down. Especially upside down. But he's left-handed, so he had to play it upside down because... KK is right-handed. So anyway, uh, the lyrics of the song, it depicts a man who's waiting for death as he's suffering from either depression or some uh, canatotic state. And 
now throughout the song it doesn't show his death as you know you were not clear as to how he died but the implication in the song is that he died by suicide now because of this the album again stained class was the focus for that trial for these two kids who killed themselves and of course they brought up this song in the trial so rob halford during you know an interview he was saying that he confirmed that the song is not a pro-suicide message. It's actually an anti-suicide message discussing how people who suffer from depression withdraw from society and how they refuse to communicate. And so uh, that was his message uh, regarding the song itself. It wasn't talking about people uh, that they should go ahead and commit suicide, which obviously would be silly. So anyway, uh, one thing that I, I love about this song is it's so dynamic. It goes from, like I said, from the uh, the arpeggiated portions of the verses, and it goes into these heavy uh, portions when it goes into the chorus. And Rob Halford's voice is again just over and above, just uh, amazing throughout the song. But I, but focusing on the guitar solos, and there's that's right, there's more than one solo. The first solo starts at about three minutes and nine seconds. It starts off very melodic. And yet by the ending of that uh, middle guitar solo, we're shredding uh, towards the end of it. And then it slows down on one note. And this it has this out-of-this-world feedback tone that just kind of rings off in the distance. Oh, I love the sound of that feedback note at the end of that middle guitar solo. And then we have another guitar solo at the very end of the song. It's just this... Just a very fast, shredding, aggressively fierce guitar solo. There's a slamming riff uh, uh, underneath it. And of course, you have the classic Halford Scream, uh, screaming the title of the song. I love this song. This actually was in contention for my Badass Blast. I was trying to decide at the very end, what am I going to do? Is it going to be Beyond the Realms of Death? Is it going to be Exciter? Which, you know, I love, love, love this song. It's an A++. Uh, grade A prime cut. Dirty Jim, what did you think of Beyond the Realms of Death? Okay, so you mentioned that Binks got credit for uh, songwriting on his song. This was the only song during his time with Judas Priest that he got credit for, for any of the songwriting. This is the only song right. that that happened. But as far as this song goes, now, I don't know, a power ballad, I'm not sure if I would call it that. I don't even know what to call it, but... It's really a ballad that's pleasantly interrupted often by some amazing, heavy greatness. And some powerful, some powerful chords, right? Well, they're heavy greatness. It's powerful. It is. You know, it's powerful. If you want to call it powerful, you go right ahead. But and it also <laughs> has some uh, magnificent Halford vocals, and you mentioned that classic ending. And can you imagine hanging down a Cold Spring Circle when that end is coming, when the music is slowly... And this is no ACDC ending here. There is no repetition. No way. But nope. it's coming in, and, and it's slowing down, slowing down, and everyone's ready for Halford just to end this one and just... Everyone, no one's talking. Everyone just wants to hear it. And then we go right back to just drinking off the keg. That is, yeah. that was this song. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a power ballad, but it 
it was definitely, there was a little bit of everything in this song. I love it. Um, I don't know if I would put it right up there with Exciter, but it is not far behind. Let's move on, Hollywood, to... Well, hold on a second. I, I want to ask you a question. Okay. So, of of all the times that you've seen Judas Priest in concert, okay. when you hear this song in concert, what, I mean, are you running for the bathroom or the beer line when you hear the song start to play? I have because never, you think it's a ballad? ever, ever... <laughs> left a Judas Priest concert for anything. I have I would never do that. I would only leave for the intermission. I'm not leaving in the middle of a song. You know what? I I, I lie that maybe if it's something from Turbo that I really don't like or if he's playing if he's playing one of those epic songs from Nostradamus, which I doubt, you know, that he's going to do, but that's the only time I would leave, but you're never going to get back in time for the next song, so I'm probably not going to leave. I'm going to leave it up to someone else who wants a beer so bad and then ask me, can I get you one? <laughs> right, right. Because I'm not I'm not leaving for any, any one of these sets. I don't remember um, ever leaving for in the middle of a great band. I mean, even Alice Cooper, I never left to go get a beer. You know, Alice Cooper does have some songs that I don't really care for. So maybe I did, but man, I don't know. Ozzy, Dio, uh, Priest, Maiden. I don't see myself leaving during their set. I don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah. And this this particular song, I mean, every time that I hear it in concert, this is so amazing. And I remember the the first time I saw this song being played by Richie Faulkner, uh, on the Epitaph tour, I was waiting. I'm like, okay, let's see what's going to happen here because uh, I wanted to see him play on the song because obviously K.K. Downing wasn't wasn't playing. So it was a combination of him and Tipton. Tipton was still playing at the time. But man, Richie Faulkner was was amazing. I mean, he he blew my mind that, that entire tour, the, 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 the show. I was like, wow, this kid is so good. And he's done really well for the band. I mean, he's he's uh, he's uh, enlivened the band. He's given them a new uh, a new a new life. And man, I'm just hoping this new album, uh, Invincible Shield, is going to be good. I mean, if it's a if it's alongside Firepower, I'm not going to mind that. Um, but man, I really hope it doesn't go in the direction of Turbo. I, I'm just. I'm I'm cur- I'm so curious after that first song. <laughs> I don't totally love the start, but I do think that there are some great elements in that first song. Yeah, yeah. But all right, here we go with the last track of the album, track number nine, Heroes End. That was the final track of the album, track number nine, Heroes End. And Glenn Tipton wrote this, and the lyrics tell of the three fallen legends, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, and James Dean, and asks why people have to die to become recognized as heroes for their efforts in life. But this song, totally different from the rest of the album. It's heavy, but at the same time, I don't even... The word I'm going to use probably isn't the right word, but it's a little flamboyant at times. Huh? Uh, but not really. It's not really in a bad way. Well, yeah. But it is a little flamboyant at times. Flamboyant? Uh, that, yeah, you got you to gotta clarify that. What do you mean flamboyant? Flamboyant because of the way I 
I'd have to go back and listen again so I could describe it, but it's got this little almost like theatrical, almost Freddie Mercury-ish. But Okay. Anyway, I don't think it's a bad way at all. It's an uh, okay. you know, it's got an interesting <laughs> change of pace throughout the middle of the song. Otherwise, it kind of pushes forward in an upper tempo. Uh, it sounds a little raw, not as polished as a lot of the rest of the album. It's just, it's like it's missing something. There's, there's a weird sound to it, but not, again, not a bad sound. I think the ending could have been a little better than ju- just to kind of, it, it's kind of like it called it quits and faded out. Um, I'm not going to put this as a prime cut. I think I'm going to list this as a grade A deep cut. What do you think, Hollywood? Okay, so I love the way the the song starts. It has this really cool stutter stop staccato guitar riff right at the very beginning of the song. And then it goes right into this, like you said, it is raw, but this this like raw metallic right, riff. Right, right. And I love the way that it sounds. Uh, the production on it, they didn't do a lot of production to the sound. The guitars just sound, I mean, just raw and just metal. And I, I like when Halford is singing. He he uses all different uh, uh, levels of his uh, vocal register. He's going up to the high register. Or sometimes he uses like a lower gravelly portion. And then sometimes he's going into this high falsetto at some parts of the song. And yeah, like you said, there is this part in the middle, this kind of this middle bridge where it's it, it goes on for almost a minute where there's kind of this, it starts off with a solo, a quick solo, like for maybe 15 seconds or so. And then it stops and start doing this slow chunking riff as Halford is singing some lines. And then it continues with a slow chunking riff. And then he'll sing a line with this, you know, high, high register. Maybe that's the point of the song that you're saying that it's kind of like a little bit like a queen ask. Uh, maybe it's a different word. The word flamboyant is completely throwing me off. I'm, I'm getting a different visual because this song is metal. This is a heavy song. It's dark, and it's nowhere, you know, uh, flamboyant. It's just, yeah, I, I don't see flamboyant. I say it's the early verse. It's not that middle part. It's the early verse. I'd have to listen the early to it verse again. Is heavy. No, the, the, in back it's heavy, but then there's that little okay. bit that comes with it. There's there's two different parts in the verse, and one part is really okay. heavy, and then it's kind of a little. A little flashy. You mean like maybe in the chorus where he goes, "Why do you have to die if you're a no, hero?" No, that's heavy. It's a shit that. Okay, you're saying in the verse where it's da na na da 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 na na da na na da 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 na na da na na that part. That's flamboyant. It's something with Halford the way he's doing the verses. I, I just oh, okay. thought I think the yeah. music is heavy, but I think that okay. there's a little. A little weirdness in the in the vocals. This song is different than the rest of the album. Oh, that's that's for yeah. sure. And then, um, so what I I love about this song is uh, the the two guitar solos. So you have, you know, these these, these solos and this ending solo as well. This one it's classic KK Downing all the way. You hear the whammy bar, these dive bombs happening. He's 
he's just going full out Jimi Hendrix, you know, uh, dive bombs. And yeah, it's, I, I really dig this song. I, I'm, I differ from Dirty Jim. I think this is an absolute prime cut. I love Heroes End. I think this is a great way for the album to end. I love the song, and it deserves to be on the ultimate Gen X Rock and Mixtape playlist on Spotify. Hollywood, you know what that means? Uh, yeah, that means we're done. You know what? We haven't done it in a long time, and this is a lipstick and leather episode right here. I mean, this obviously uh-huh. is our lipstick and leather side of the two episodes we've released. Right. Why can't we give, since this is just an album, why can't we give some sweet mullets? Sweet mullets. All right. Dirty Jim is going old school here with the sweet mullet. So you heard that old school soundbite that we just played. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Haven't heard that one in a long time. (laughs) Okay. uh, All right, then. I mean, you're the one who called for it. So you start with the sweet mullets rating yourself. All right. I'm not going to give a huge wrap up to the album. I think the album's awesome. I think I only gave one deep cut which was heroes end that's nine songs and eight of them all got grade a prime this has to be has to be at least i don't care what you say i'm gonna give this eight and a half sweet mullets (laughs) eight and a half (laughs) okay uh, yeah, you threw me off with the half there, because we're not supposed to do halves. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Uh, then for me, I love the album, too. I think and when I when I rate albums like this, I, I look at the entire catalog of the band. And with Judas Priest, there's some uh, other amazing albums out there. Uh, to me, this is not on the level of a Defenders of the Faith or hell bent for leather. Uh, I you know it has its moments where it's like amazing. I mean I love the whole album. I am actually going to go ahead and I'm going to give it eight out of ten sweet mullets. I like it. I'll buy that. Yeah. I almost gave it eight, but yeah. I said you know what? It's I gave eight prime cuts on this album one deep cut and the song was still good so yeah i mean eight and a half that's yeah, I, I can't compare it to defenders i mean defenders is a 10 you know yeah uh, yeah british steel's <laughs> a 10 probably even um scream for vengeance is a 10 so yeah and then for me i would go to uh um to uh hellbent for leather that to me is is a nine nine i nine. love hellbent that nine i love hellbent for leather <laughs> i think this is just a hair below hellbent for leather oh definitely this hellbent for leather is just a different animal that is that is yeah. so good yeah but anyway let's wrap this up hollywood sounds good dirty jim well that does it for our album review of stained class by judas priest Dirty Jim, why don't you go ahead and mention our companion episode, as well as what amazing music we're going to be reviewing next time. All right, if you haven't done it already, hop on over to the companion episode to this one, which is... Hop? What's that? <laughs> you said hop on over. Yeah, hop on over. <laughs> now, I mean... It, now, now that was flamboyant. That, that was... I didn't say skip. 
<laughs> I said hop. Oh my god. Anybody can hop. hop. Do you think you could do you think you could stand up off of your chair right now and skip? Oh my god. So I, <laughs> Go I guess I don't I don't really do TikTok or anything, but this girl that I know, she comes over and visits a couple times a week and she said she saw these videos where people are asking their boyfriends to skip. Oh my god. So she asked me, she goes, "Can you skip?" And I sat and I'm like, "A grown man." Yeah, and I'm like, "You know, <laughs> I think I can." So I thought about yeah. it for a second. And you know what? Lo and behold, I ripped out a nice skip. It took me a second to figure it out. I probably, at the first one, it was almost like a hop. And then right away, I I just blended right into a, a decent skip. Not a great skip. Not like a uh, not like a grade school kid skip. But it came back to me pretty quickly. I was able to, to skip within like one movement. Was this inside or outside? Yeah, it was it, throughout my living room and my kitchen. Oh, that's tough. Because once I started yeah, it, skipping, I couldn't <laughs> stop. Yeah, it's easier when you're outside. You have more room. You know, there's less damage to be had. Yeah, there's but not a, inside the house. This... Not a chance in hell I'm going to break into a skip outside. They already probably think I'm some kind of creepy single dude that lives in this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, inside your place, I mean, your, your place is like a museum. You know, yeah. so to skip around there, you got to be careful not to break anything. I don't have a lot of stuff, so that's nice. It's pretty well, that, empty. That that's true. You don't. You're very minimalistic with your stuff. It's just everything's just very organized and in place. You know what I'll do tomorrow is maybe I'll get out there. It's a nice Saturday. It's going to be beautiful. Maybe I'll start skipping around the neighborhood and see who will join me. Dude, it would be so funny just to skip on your own, just for like a few seconds, just to see how it makes you feel. You're going to feel so silly, but I, I'm sure a smile's going to come to your it face. It makes you want to sing like tra-la-la, you know? That's what skipping does. It's like tra-la-la. But anyway, if you haven't done it yet, hop on over to the companion episode. And it's a little more mellow than the one we just did with Judas Priest. It's a 1973 album from Pink Floyd called The Dark Side of the Moon. And in a couple weeks, you're going to be able to hear two more episodes and one of them is inspired by a listener of ours, which we will get into in a couple weeks. And that is going to be a Canadian 10 spot, which will feature Kim Mitchell, a little bit from Max Webster, and a five songs actually from Triumph from their Never Surrender album from 1982. And the companion episode to that will be a band slam with the 1983 EP from Queensryche, and the 1985 album from Wasp called The Last Command. All right, guys, so go ahead and hit the follow button on Spotify. That way you can be notified when new double episodes are released on the 1st and the 15th of each month. Also, if you'd like to send us an email with comments or suggestions, just go ahead and send it to getthefluffoutpodcast at gmail.com. And that way you could also uh, feel free to comment on our social media channels there on Facebook, Instagram, or X by finding us at Get the Fluff Out Podcast, or you could just go directly to our website, www.getthefluffoutpodcast.com. And the sound effects that we don't do ourselves, we get from a site called zapsplat.com. And the intro music is a combination of two loops from looperman.com 
And the first is a drum loop from HP Records called Vintage Kit 2. And the second is a guitar loop from Geomoon called Groovy Rock Guitars Loop Riff. And the outro music that you're hearing right about now is a song called Elijah Fields by our band Forced Entry from 1988. Copyrighted by Hollywood and Regen. So we want to thank everyone for carving out some time in your busy schedule to listen to the Get the Fluff Out podcast and to get a little Gen X nostalgic with us. So with that being said, Dirty Jim, we just got the fluff out. Skip, skip, skip to Maloo. <laughs> now that was flamboyant. <laughs> <laughs>